Hey, welcome back, Kittitas Valley Sports Talk fans. Back with another episode, joined with John Gudat, Sammy Henderson. Guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to see your faces. Granted, one's here, one's on Zoom, but still, it made my day happier to see you guys here. You guys are looking great in high-definition Zoom, so <laughs> probably looking better on Zoom than, than we would uh, all face-to-face, so maybe that's more of a slam on me than you guys. Hey. I think we're gorgeous. We got faces for radio, that's for sure. Guys, we got so much going on. We have, there's a lot to get to break down here in this episode. I'm so excited, but I need to address the elephant in the room. Okay. Big things have happened at the KTS Valley Sports Talk, and this is just sad times for us. even more sad you can't get the music going right as you guys know we're down a person we're down a man man down we knew it was going to happen eventually we knew that he was going to leave us but dang it it was too soon Luke Luke Olson is not with us anymore gone too soon gone too soon he has gone on to greener pastures or fairways literally <laughs> absolutely <laughs> And I think this is just a fitting way to pay tribute to our friend Luke. We're going to miss you, Lucas. Your smart out comments. <laughs> your hot takes. Your age. The, the, your, your old comments. <laughs> your old comments. And I think the old comments can... Hopefully the door didn't hit you too hard on the way back out. Yeah, but man, about my mom. that's right. But we're going to miss you, Luke. We're excited about where you're heading and the greener pastures ahead for you. I know you're listening. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if he listened when he was on the podcast. That's right. Um, so we, uh, but yeah, no, Luke got to go be a golf pro. He's changed occupations. We're still going to have him on from time to time when he decides to come across that mountain range and get back over here. But, but his insight. You know, we've always a, talked about like doing the podcast from a golf course and we now we have another uh, golf course to potentially uh, play from or, or, or shoot or record a podcast from. So maybe uh, Luke can help us out with that because we're cheap jerks and, and uh, Luke it's up to Luke to get us on the green. When I was reasoning, we got to step up our games. He was like the local sports yeah. guy when it came to high school and uh, somebody's got to, Fill the gap there. So yeah, I don't know I who think that's going to be. <laughs> we can figure that out. We'll figure it out. We're pretty good at We're flying. We're looking at each other yeah. like, uh, you, you, you. He, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Luke, best of luck. Thanks for being a part of the Valley Sports Talk. It's not like you're gone. You're still going to come back on sometimes when we invite you. I think the biggest thing we're going to miss is Willow's snacks that she would make for us. I know. Those I know. were the best. Um, I mean, that's kind of why we kept you around, Luke, because the snacks were <laughs> superb. <laughs> We miss you too, Willow. That's right. So we got a lot to talk about, and it's nice to have a lot to talk about because we've had a lot of months of nothing to talk about. It's true. And we got a guy coming on that has big things to talk about. His season's kind of starting to happen a little bit. But, guys, I saw big news today. We retweeted. Central football's going to Montana. Montana Grizz. Let's go. We've had some epic battles with those guys before, and I'm looking forward to another one. Absolutely. Yeah. So we were talking about – we were talking about like road tripping to Montana. And then I was reading like our press release 
uh, you know, the Wildcat Sports press release and then uh, the Grizz press release on it. And so we're not sure if, if how many fans are going to be there or whatever like that. So we're going to road trip. But if we don't road trip and we have to watch this on TV, we're going to be watching it from the comforting, form fitting couch that I got at Fitterer's Furniture. 100%. Quality furniture since? 1896. Absolutely. Guys. On the corner of 4th and Main there. So Brad and team, if, if Brad and team will have a couch for us to all sit on mm-hmm. if we're going to watch it on TV. And if, and if we're actually going to be there live, man, can you, I mean, Sammy, you've been there. Uh, you've been there a couple of times, but the game I'm thinking of, of course, is 2008. Yeah. And it took a field goal for them to beat us at, as time expired, right? Yes. It if was I remember a, correctly. Yeah, it was. And it was, uh, you know, I've talked to Blaine Bennett a few times about, that last drive and man, all the things in his career, if he could take back, we had them to a fourth down. They had no timeouts. They were on their third string, like walk on kicker of the year times running. <laughs> we call a timeout on like a fourth and four with like I I would have been like a 45 yard field goal. And of course they, they were bringing on the kicking team when we called mm. the timeout, they go for it, get about 15 yards <sighs> and then kick an, an easier field goal. And so, you know, not it was it was heartbreaking, but that place is intense. I mean, it's like, you know, Otson Stadium where mm-hmm. the fans are so close. That's what it was. I was in my suit, and I just hear old guys, "What are you doing down there, <laughs> idiot? In your suit? What's going on? <laughs> you awesome. an agent?" Like, it was just hecklers. Cra- it was intense. I would. I'm pretty safe to say that University of Montana is the SEC of the Big Sky. <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> they know their biz, right? Yeah, uh, I I remember that game. I remember listening to that game. I was actually at a family reu- uh, reunion that day. I can still remember it, and I I considered dogging out my family just to go like share a hotel room with Sammy and like five other dudes just to go watch a game. <laughs> and that was like that was the that was the game, and uh, we gave them a run for their money. And, I've seen that stadium empty. I've never been there for an actual game. And that stadium is intimidating when it's empty. And uh, But when you got 25,000 people and all of them are on top of you, that, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great vibe. It was, and it was, so it was just electric. They dropped people in from uh, skydiving parachutes, oh. the game balls, and their, uh, their mascot, which I didn't know at the time, was like a top five ranked mascot yeah. in all of – NCAA and so it was a show in itself I think I got as much enjoyment watching the mascot do his thing as I did watching the football game heck yeah well that I I'm pumped for it. I can't wait and hopefully there's a way for us to watch it because uh I'll be tuned in if we're not baseball into that point in time yeah uh but a lot of other sports are picking up here central think yeah. ball starting to roll in the GNAC a little bit basketball baseball softball um I saw those schedules come out and so it's uh it's gonna be big things going on yeah i think uh you know that's who we're talking to is is coach renta for Mm -hmm. men's basketball there for the wildcats and and we're going to talk a little bit about that but yeah it just seems like uh at the risk of uh not i don't want to be political or anything like that but people are ready and Mm -hmm. i think uh uh athletic departments at high school and college levels and and shoot even club sports and um, we're, we're doing whatever we can to, uh, to play. And so, um, I, I just hope that all this preparation will lead to gains. And even if it's a abbreviated schedule at every level, 
I, I just know people just want to play. You just want to coach. You know? Yeah, I can only imagine just the, you know, the angst to, just to get out there and play and the, mm-hmm. uh, just on the edge of their seats. Almost 11 months uh, yeah. since they last played a basketball game. And, you know, we're talking right. about other sports that, you know, it's even further. Football has, you know, gone a lot longer, but I'm sure they're all ready and itching to just get out there and hit somebody. Absolutely. Well, you know, the high school, I saw Ellensburg has started practice. Basically, we're waiting for phase two of the government's thing to happen, which it's Friday. We're recording this. I, we need Benton and Franklin County to get their acts together. Yeah. The bottom line. Absolutely. <laughs> and straight, straight out Quit there. dragging us down here. Um, But no, I, yeah, and then the like, – so for the, the B schools in the area, Cleelum and Kittitas, we're waiting until the 15th to start football practice, and hopefully we're in phase two by then, and, and that'll be a six, seven-week season, and then we'll be in the what's baseball. It, what's that do with your baseball? You got some guys that are wanting to do both? Yeah, well, we don't start till later, so we're okay, good. Okay, so you can yeah. cross over. But you're right. The kids are starved for it because we've had been able to do summer 2.0 in January, so we should have had a better name for that probably, but uh, <laughs> it's been freezing cold. But we've went outside, and the I didn't realize how bad the kids actually needed it because the look on their faces, and it's like, 30 degrees out and we're throwing a baseball around and you can tell that the enjoyment, they missed it. They need it. So get us to phase two and let these kids go out and do their things. They're meant to do at this age. That's for dang sure. You, you, you tweeted a video or it was on Facebook. Maybe it was on Mm -hmm. both of them. And it was just, it was like a 10 second clip of the sound of, you know, the ball hitting the, the leather glove. Yeah. And there is something to be said. I think, um, that the reason why that resonated with me is I think that this world, I, I want to say uh, baseball or, or playing catch fixes everything, but this world needs more, uh, more rounds of playing catch with friends or family mm-hmm. or whatever. My daughters, we still go out and play catch and I don't know, you can just solve a lot of world problems or at least chill out and relax just by playing catch. So I'm not trying to tell you what you want to hear, but that actually, that video resonated with me just because I remember thinking, wow, it's so relaxing and, and you forget how much you appreciate that when it's taken away. hundred percent. And it's actually hasn't been that cold out. Honestly, yesterday sucked. Wind was blowing. Oh, it was, we had our fill, yeah. <laughs> but it was chilly. It's chilly, but uh, no, it's been good. I'm excited. Things are coming back. I'm excited. The GNAC sports are starting to happen. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, I know that there's, I don't know if we can talk about it yet, but I think you did say the schedule for baseball is online, but yeah, it's on GNAC sports. That's for sure. So it's official. Yeah. You know, the 26th, they're at home mm-hmm. against, against St. Martin's against St. Martin's. And, uh, yeah, we're going to see if we can hop a fence and get out there. Heck yeah. Let's go. Set so. the barbecue up and roll it. Now we're talking. Well, right. I, I think we need to go ahead and bring on our guest for the week. Coach Brandon Renta. Head coach of men's basketball at Central Washington University. We'll be right back after the, this message from Federer's Furniture with Coach. It's been a long few months for all of us, but the wait is finally over. Fitterer's Furniture in downtown Ellensburg is proud to be safely serving you. Fitterer's is now open during regular business hours while keeping you, your family, and everyone safe. Stop by Monday through Saturday from 8.30 to 5.30 and browse three floors of quality home furnishing, plus free delivery in central Washington. From everyone at Fitterer's Furniture, welcome back. Fitterer's. We're pleased to welcome head coach of Central Washington men's basketball, Brandon Renta. Uh, third year, correct? Third year with the program. And uh, you, you, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here. Appreciate you guys having me on. I've been looking forward to this and looking forward to 
talking some sports and talking some basketball and talking some Wildcat athletics. Uh, I think it's overdue because I know as a season ticket holder, I am starved. I, I was driving to town two weeks ago on a Wednesday night thinking I should be going to grab a pregame beer somewhere and then going to a yep. basketball game right now. And uh, I'm sure your feelings are worse than mine about that whole thing. But uh, I'm glad we're able to have you on. I appreciate that. And it, it's going to be really interesting when things get opened back up and we're all able to go to sporting events again. Yeah, I'll be curious how I, I just think people's level of appreciation of just being able to do that and support the local high school teams and college teams. We're not going to take that for granted, at least for a little bit. Yeah. In my mind, we're going to pack that place out yeah. first day it opens. And, uh, I, I keep talking, my son's AU team is getting ready to start, and I'm like, I just can't wait. I'm going to get yeah. kicked out of a game. I'm a coach. I've got all this pent-up aggression. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to let them have it, and it's not going to last very long, but it's going to feel great. Yeah. And I kind of think everybody kind of has a little bit of that, you know, and so it would be nice to see Nicholson Rowdy again. Yes. It's been a while. Got that right, yeah, and for the players to be, ex- be able to experience that too. and uh, Maybe as you guys have seen, we're – finally able to get some games on the docket and we're preparing for that and couldn't be more excited, but I'll be curious to see what it is like to, to play in an empty gym. It's, it's going to be different, but we're just going to take it as we can get it from here on out here, at least for this year. When you guys started up practicing again, you know, at Kittitas when we're, our baseball practice rolled this last month, and I could just, just see a difference in the kids' faces leaving the school, walking out to the field, and the smiles got large. I mean, I, are you seeing the same thing? Are your dudes ready to be, and are they so excited to be able to be back on the court? It, without a doubt. It, the last three weeks have added a sense of normalcy that none of us, coaches, players, have been able to feel for – almost 11 months now. And I was just amazed at me personally, how it lifted my spirits and how I had a little bit, I don't know, sharper skip in my step. And uh, definitely with the guys, especially taking those masks off and being able to see people's smiles and faces. Uh, it, it was it was definitely it's been a, a breath of, of fresh air and it's cool for our guys to finally be able to connect as a team like teams are supposed to be able to. Talk to me about really quick coach about. Uh, you know, part of the chemistry is developed on, on the court in practice, going out to dinner or lunch with each guys, uh, you know, playing video games and stuff like that with roommates is have you noticed you've had the work harder to to build up that chemistry since COVID has made everything so inconsistent? Definitely. And when we first got together as a team this year in the fall, that was one of my biggest messages. One was our elevated concern for everybody's mental health. But the other thing was our ability and the challenge that we face to come together as a team. And it's something that we always talk about. It's something that always takes effort. And there's a saying that we use and we build off that, but we call it building a a feeling of oneness. That's what we're trying to do as a team. And that's done in open gym. That's done in skill work. That's done in practice, but just as much it's done in hanging out off the court, 
sharing meals together, playing video games, all that stuff that that you're talking about. And some of it has just not been possible. And our guys, I've been proud of them. They've been still working at it and trying to find ways that definitely you can play video games virtually with each other. Uh, and they did as well as they could in the fall, but they really, it's not until three weeks ago that they were able to connect like a, like a team should be able to. And that's been as important to us as being able to be on the court and becoming better basketball players. What, uh, um, what about recruiting? Um, are you looking at game film that's a year old now? Are you looking at sophomore film when you should be looking at junior film? Has that completely changed the recruiting process too? For sure. And ex what you're talking about is, is exactly it. And it's, it's created challenges. I, I think the NCA did the right thing in not charging anybody a year of competition, really. Everybody can come back. And, but as the dominoes fall, it's that class of 21 that is going to be put in an extremely tough place. Forget about scholarships, just spots on college teams. Any sport is, is going to be precious this year and hard to come by. And it's going to take a few years to, to level out. And from our end, there's nothing live that we can go watch and evaluate. And so it is, it's, it's a lot of, of film and it's, it's amazing to me. Teams are continuing to run to Idaho, Arizona, Utah. They're, they're letting them play there under certain circumstances. And so we're, we're watching a lot of film on guys, but we are having to go back and watch a lot of their, their junior and sophomore years as well. There's a lot of traveling that you have to do when you're recruiting. So you talk about Idaho, Arizona. I mean, Idaho is a relatively quick trip uh, by car. Arizona is a quick flight. I mean, but are your, are your hands tied on how much you can see you're still working virtually in terms of trying to come up with as much relevant and new game film? Definitely. And right now we can't leave the state, not as a state institution, not to recruit maybe we could, but we would definitely have to quarantine 14 days when we get back. And it's just, it's not worth it right now. And yeah, we're just having to try and get as much as we can out of the film. And and there's a lot that you can gather from that, but there's, there's always something about seeing somebody in person, watching them play live. That's what we're missing right now. And I'm hoping by this summer that we're going to be able to get out and get in the same gyms as these student athletes that we're recruiting. What about, uh, um, what are other coaches telling you in terms of, you know, other GNAC coaches or, 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 uh, you know, coaches that you've, uh, gotten to know over your playing and, and coaching career are, are, are there new ways to recruit that you're you're stealing ideas from other coaches and stuff like that? Or is it still the same uh, X's and O stuff, just maybe a little bit more cell phone and, and Zoom video involved? Yeah, it's definitely more Zoom calls, FaceTime with these recruits, just trying to get some face-to-face -face contact. But other than that, 
when it comes to the on-court evaluation, it's it's all film and, and everybody's in the same boat. They are allowing Division II schools to leave their campus. We haven't been able to, I think we were one weekend, we were able to get away um, back in the fall, early fall, but that's been it for us. Division one, it has not even been an option. They've been locked down. NCA has not let them leave their campuses since last March. So pretty much everybody's in the same boat when it comes to that. I've got this theory for Division two sports in general when it comes to recruiting. And I think there's just going to be you're going to hit really big or you're going to miss pretty strong when it comes to recruiting. Because uh, I've always thought that that junior to senior year is one of those, especially for the Division two level, some of those kids that go Division two weren't even really looked at their junior years, but come their senior year, they, they build a resume. They're like, I think you could play at this level. And so working on film uh, that's dated and that growth, that maturation that teens do at that age, uh, I feel like there's going to be some real big hits, but I think there's a chance also for a lot of misses. And so I think it's going to be, my theory is a real tricky couple years of recruiting and you're, there are going to be teams that make a sore and there's going to be teams that take a hard dive. And that, that's what I'm working with. That's me projecting out. No, you are a hundred percent right. And your theory is, I would go as far as to say it's a fact. And I, even today, I find myself, I have these moments of anxiety. We need to sign a couple players and we got to have patience. We, we got to have patience. The Washington State high school season, basketball season, it may not happen until May, June. And you, what you're talking about, I'll break it down a little bit as far as yeah, a lot, the Division One programs, a lot of the guys that they are bringing in out of the classes, they sign them early. And so where Division Two schools can sometimes get really good high school players is are those guys that during their senior season take big steps and they they're always coming on our radar during basketball season of their senior year you know about them but then it becomes obvious that they've taken a big step and they they jump on your radar and you start recruiting them and that's how we've ended up with some of the good players even on our roster right now and that's not available right now we're, we're not able to see those guys those seniors in high school who have been able to take that step that pop on our radar that we know are good enough hopefully even if it's a six-week season come may or june that that's able to happen and we're able to have the patience to to wait for that I guess I should ask this question earlier, but you know the, what I'm sitting here thinking of. It, it's you know you can see the guys' skills and progressions on the film, their game film, but measuring the immeasurables, how they act, how they are as a competitor, that kind of stuff. That's got to be, and that's something that's so huge. I feel like, and especially in college athletics. I mean, how I might be asking an impossible question, but how can you measure that with through a Zoom call right now? Yeah, and it's always that's always tough, yeah. and that's always the trick really uh, talk to as many people as you can try and read through what they are saying, trying to 
base your opinion on who that recruit is based on words, actions, body language. Uh, but that's what you're talking about is really important stuff, though. Essentially, you're talking about um, the the character, the work ethic, the the competitive temperament, all that stuff that goes into really determining if that player is going to reach their potential or not. And we put a lot of time and effort into evaluating that side of of a student athlete. And yeah, it's it's even tougher. I mean, there's. I'll talk to high school coaches right now and they're coach. I just don't know. I haven't seen them since last March. <laughs> I haven't been in the gym with them. So I can't tell you. And that's, that's reality. It, it's, it has become tougher to evaluate those intangibles that you're talking about. Coach, let's talk about recruiting in general, or just like historical stuff. I mean, Compare your time when you were, uh, you know, an assistant at Eastern or, or taking over the, the helm at, at uh, LC State. What, what's been the major difference from recruiting then? I, I'm sure technology has got to be the biggest one maybe, but what's different in recruiting today versus a decade ago or 15 years ago? Man, like you could write a book on that. <laughs> that, could, that could be a 30-minute answer right there. Um, <laughs> I, I remember, I'll go back so far as when I was at Lewis Clark State College, uh, there was a successful baseball coach there by the name of Ed Sheff. Uh, Ed Sheff, man, I forget, but I think I want to say he won 16 national titles, something like that, something crazy. Like the guy, it was Ed Sheff and then Jesus, like he was, he was above <laughs> Jesus there in, in Lewiston. But they used to say stories, tell stories about, there was one phone on campus. The whole college only had one phone. And he used to go in there and sit in there and make phone calls to recruits from, for six, seven hours at a time. And the vice presidents and everybody would be coming in wanting to use the campus phone. And it was like, sorry, chef's in there using it for recruiting. <laughs> He's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my senior year here at central Washington, my parents buying me a cell phone and I'm looking at this, like, why, why do I need this? I, I don't, okay. Thanks. Well, within two years, you're using that to start recruiting to texting recruits and now it's just a never ending stream of information from you to the recruits whether it's texting calling tweeting emails whatever it is uh, the the recruiting has become it's a lifestyle it's the 24 7 you're you're always staying in touch you're always talking to coaches players um it's it's become really challenging and, and what has really changed it and especially in in college basketball is the transfer market and the the transfer culture that has come into college basketball and uh, that's that's changed the game as well there's over a thousand division one transfers uh, every year now and uh, it's it's just changed the way that recruiting is is approached by everybody i 
I still enjoy it. I enjoy getting to know these players, getting to know their families, building those relationships. There's something, there's something special that happens during the recruiting process where you're choosing somebody and they're choosing you and it, it builds, it can build a, a special level of trust when they come into your program and, and uh, become a part of that family. But it's, it's definitely becoming something where I think you're, you were calling out a payphone booth or landlines and mailing letters to something that has just become all consuming and, and a 24 seven job at this point. So you can't, I mean, there's still rules where are there, are there blackout times or dead times when you can't talk or reach out to players, but the, in this Twitter, Snapchat, IG, can you like retweet one of your, you know, if you got your eye on a guy and he tweets something or he's got a stat up there, can you retweet that? Or can, is that limited? Does the NCAA limit even that passive kind of interaction? There are definite rules on what you can like, what you can retweet. You got to be careful when it comes to that. Uh, when it comes to texts and phone calls, there's, there's not really any restrictions on that once they get to a certain age, junior in high school, juniors and seniors, texts, phone calls. It used to just be one phone call a week, but they went away from that. Uh, now, the amount of in-person contact you have, there's dead periods, quiet periods, evaluation periods, contact periods. As far as in-person, the, the calendar changes but the texts and the phone calls always remain. Wow. Yeah. Well, Coach, I'm sure we have we have some listeners who have kids who with aspirations to play college athletics or get that scholarship. Uh, what advice would you give anybody listening um, if their kid's trying to find a spot somewhere or work? Uh, what what advice would you have for them as a student athlete? Yeah, that's a – I can tell from my end it's a challenging position to be a parent and, and try and give guidance for their kid who is looking and wants to be a college athlete. And, and especially now, uh, I, I feel I have so much. And every time I talk to somebody in the class of 21, I let them know I got sympathy for you. Like this is challenging. Um, my hope is, is that you can be patient and trust that it'll work out in the end. Uh, but as far as, a blanket statement to parents. Um, I, I would I would really encourage them to leave it in the hands of of coaches and and their players. I, I think that the communication between college coaches is it, it's always going to be better received when it's coming from the player or their coach, whether it's their high school coach or, or their their AAU coach. Uh, I, I would like to think that with where we're at now, that nobody is going unseen, that as long as they are putting the effort in and working hard and putting the time in, that's the most important part of the equation here. When it comes to basketball, spending time in the gym, making sure that you can do everything that you can control ultimately that's what's going to be in your best interest to end up where you want to be. Uh, I, 
I think that the mistake a lot of people make is maybe they turn their nose up at community college, division three, NEI, division two, go watch, go watch Yakima Valley play, go watch Wenatchee Valley, go watch some of these community colleges play whatever sport. And you're going to find a big difference between high school and community college, let alone NEI, D3, D2. Um, I, I think that maybe the second piece of advice that I would have is, is keep an open mind as far as the opportunities that are out there to participate in college athletics. I think that's so big that what you just said there, because, you know, if you're good enough and even if you, everybody's I'm D one or bust, but you go to a D two or D three school and you go dominate there and you want aspirations beyond college, they're going to find you. It's just because you might be at the lower level doesn't mean you don't have the, if you go work and you produce, you're going to be, you're going to get found. Exactly. What uh, part of the recruiting process we're talking about the, the athleticism part, the, the sport part, getting the scholarship part or playing time. But do you find that uh, your recruits are, or, or the, I, I want to say not just the people you're recruiting, but the families that you have, that have to buy into um, your message, uh, are they, do you have to sell central? I mean, do they know central well in terms of, Hey, I want to go into marketing or something like that. Does that mean have, have you and your, your staff have to, figure out, okay, that's my, that's my professor in marketing. That's going to help me out. Or, or, you know, I know guys in the engineering department, how much does recruiting go beyond basketball? That's a good question. And it definitely, it depends. Uh, I, when I was at Eastern Washington, where I started out for five years, it never went beyond basketball. It was a hundred percent division one. That's the thing that's I can think of maybe one player while I was there that really took interest in the academic side of uh, their recruiting visits, even though we did it with all of them. That's part of the reason why I like being at the division two level is that there's more of a balance there. And that's one thing that I found immediately when I went to Northwest Nazarene University, especially at a faith-based school where you you got people choosing that school for a lot of people choosing a school like that for reasons beyond basketball. But I've, I've really enjoyed being at the division two NAI level because there's, there's more balance there and the life outside of basketball, it tends to matter more to the student athletes that, that we are recruiting. And sometimes that can help you. Sometimes that can hurt you. It just depends on what they're looking for. But we're blessed here at Central. We, we got strong academic programs here. We've got a community that supports Central, the athletic department, our program at a high, high level. And that, that matters a lot to most of the student athletes that we've been recruiting. Let's dive into that a little bit. So how, how much fun has it been for you to come back and coach at the alma mater where you played your college basketball? I mean, that's got to be a thrill. It, it's been unbelievable. I mean, what a tremendous life experience. Uh, the, the seven years I spent at Lewis Clark State College, 
I loved it there. And honestly, I could have easily stayed there the rest of my life. And I would have. There was only one place I would have ever left there for, and that was Central Washington. And for that to come to fruition, uh, it's, yeah, to be able to be out there um, on the court in Nicholson Pavilion as a coach where I once played, not many coaches get that opportunity. And it's it's something that um, it's easy for me to speak from the heart, really, with all these recruits. And I, I think that they can they can see that. Now, with that being said, it's been the biggest challenge of my life too, which I knew it would be. And it it's something that I embraced. And it, it honestly, it goes, it goes back even beyond me playing here. Uh, this program and the people who have gone through it, uh, that the role that they have played in my life throw you throw in the the teammates that I had and and just what this program means to so many people uh, in in the state of Washington in the Pacific Northwest uh, that to me what we're trying to do here uh, it, it is it's it's something that I've been preparing my whole life for and and that's that's not an understatement. Uh, this is this is the biggest challenge I've ever faced professionally, and um, can it be stressful? Yeah, what we do coaching college athletics, it's a stressful pro uh, profession. But don't think for a second that I'm not having fun with it. Like I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. We got a tremendous staff here, and especially in year three, even though in some ways it's been stolen from us, the last three weeks, the team that. I've been able to be a part of out on the court. This is why I came to Central, to be able to be a part of a team like we have this year. Uh, it's it's given given me extra energy, and I, I just I've been loving these guys. It's it's been they've been really fun to work with. And if I ever needed validation of of um, why I was led to come to Central, it's it's these thirteen guys. The 13 guys on the roster right now, <clears throat> compare them to, you know, the starting five and maybe the, you know, the top three guys coming off the bench in, in 01 or, or 2000. <laughs> Here what, we what, go. I like it. <laughs> what, what's the, like, you guys are rolling on the court in 01 and you look at, and you look at your 2021 team. What's the biggest difference? 20 uh, years than, later. What's the biggest difference, and who do you guard, Coach? <laughs> this is where we should have started the podcast. So you know what? Before we got on the podcast, okay. we should say this. Before we got before we started rolling, before we started rolling here, listeners, we promised Coach that we wouldn't put him on the spot, and I lied, Coach. I want to know who you guard. This is not. This is this is the fun stuff here. This is not me putting putting on the spot and you know you the history of the program um let's let's just talk about it at the division in the division two era um you're you know you got the the 99 team the the very very first year in division two and how tough that transition is and that team won like 22 games in a row and won the conference and hosted the the 
the regional. And then you got the, the 2000 team um, that was a few points away from going to the Elite Eight. And I was at NNU and had to coach against that 2011 championship team. And they're, they're in the conversation as well. Um, this team, comparing them to, to those teams, I got to be careful here because I can end up with a lot of hate mail. And, <laughs> a, lot, even and a lot of pressure. Hate texts. <laughs> hate texts from my teammates. Okay. Um, but, oh, who, who am I? Who am I guarding on this team? Uh, I think that's probably without a doubt. I'm, I'm probably guarding Xavier Smith, and um, and why? Yeah, that that would be that would be a tall order from my end. But those are the guys that I ended up on, and, and that I enjoyed um, playing against. I, I think that I, I think that the top players that we have in our program now and the top players that we had, uh, in, in the program then are, they're comparable. Um, what the, the biggest thing that I noticed coming back into the GNAC is just how this conference has continued to get better and better. Uh, the, the playing field has leveled out. It, it used to be central SPU, Western Anchorage. That's it. That's it right there. That's not the case. That is not the case anymore. There's there's 10 teams in this conference and all 10 of them have proven that they have the ability to to win a conference championship and you just you just look at the the leaps that teams like Western Oregon and St. Martins have have made over the last 5 6 years that um, this this conference, it's, I think you can officially call it a shark tank now. It, and, and that's, that's what it is. It's, there are no more haves and have nots. It's who, who plays better that night. And over the course of a season, who is able to stay injury free. Did I answer your question or did I dance around that? <laughs> no, you, you didn't, you didn't dance around it and you, uh, by talking about Xavier, you're, you're, you you owned up to it. Okay. Um, what uh, and and you talk about like jokingly about hate texts or hate, hate emails or, or calls you might get. You still keep in touch with some of your teammates from from back in the day. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and that's that's another reason why I, I love being here at at Central Washington is the experience that I had that I when I played here, the bonds that I was able to create that's those are lifelong and that's what i and we have always worked hard to to create within the programs that we've coached and i, I think that we have we've been successful at, at doing that but i think that it's it's easier to do that it's always a challenge but it's easier to do that at a place like central washington where uh, you're putting guys in a position where they can really take pride in in what they're a part of and the the college experience that they have and the the college experience that they get to share that with the, the teammates that they get to to share that with um, the guys that I played with I keep in touch with them uh, we see each other whenever we can I'm, I'm closer to those guys than than anybody else that I've 
in my life, really. So in a, in a previous life, Coach, before I got into banking and, and podcasting, I guess I could say, I worked for the, you know, the Daily Record. And it seems like most of my interviews with Coach Spar, we, we would talk about game or practice, and then most of it was just friend-to-friend talking um, off the record. And one of my favorite things that he ever said about you off the record, but it's been far enough now that I can say it's it is on the record. Now it's on the record. <laughs> you had a re- we, yeah, yeah. You had he re- recruited somebody and whose name shall be uh, uh, keep nameless, and he was a little bit softer and he wasn't as aggressive as he needed to, as he needed to be. And coach said, I can't remember who else was in the room, but it wasn't really for my ears and it definitely wasn't for the newspaper. But coach said, you know what? I'm just going to put Renta on him in practice. And uh, which just showed like how aggressive you were and how team oriented you were to get somebody better, but also make him have to like learn how to, you know, barrel through a brick wall for his teammates or, or be more aggressive on offense and defense. That kind of attitude that you had as a player, has that transitioned well as a coach or how, how what kind of a transition was it as a player to a coach? Was that a slap in the face or it, in terms of, what works on the court, maybe not work on, you know, the whiteboard when you're coaching, when you're coaching players. Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it definitely was an interesting transition. And I appreciate you, um, you bringing that story up. It, it means a lot to me, uh, coach Sparling, coach Nicholson, coach Rice at YVC, um, the, the life that those guys have, have breathed into me and, and my career. I'm forever grateful to it. Uh, and I knew I was fortunate enough to know somehow, some way that early on, even when I was 16 years old, I wanted to be a basketball coach. When you really get down to it in that transition that I made from central Washington to Eastern Washington, um, what I remember of that and something that I'm always sympathetic to, to guys as they get into coaching. And I've talked to whether they're a manager or a volunteer coach or just starting out, I I try to put myself in their shoes because I was there. And I remember my first year at Eastern Washington going home from every practice thinking like, what, like, uh, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. I, I sat on the sidelines and I clapped my hands and I yelled good job and I encouraged and I just, I was kind of the obnoxious rah-rah guy there every single day. I wasn't doing no coaching. I wasn't telling anybody what to do, (laughs) but I was learning and I was going through that transition and eventually I was able to get to a place where I was able to start doing, I guess, what you would call coaching or instructing and but I also remember getting into games in heated contests, last second shots, winning at the buzzer, big stops, walking away from those games like, I, man, that was, that was okay. But it was nothing, absolutely nothing compared to being on the floor as a player during those games. And one of the things, probably the hardest thing for me was I always knew what needed to happen when I was a player. I was in the trenches. I was out there. I knew the adjustments that needed to be made 
it's a lot harder when you're on the sideline. You're looking at the game through a different lens. And that's where sometimes coaches who have never played the game, sometimes they're looked at differently. But I, I think that in many ways they have an advantage because they've always looked at the game from a different angle. And some guys aren't able to make that transition. I was, it took me time to be able to see the game from the sidelines like I could that just came so naturally while I'm in the game. Um, as going back to your story, I don't know what it was. Uh, I did have some coaches able to get through to me what it means to compete, but I had a little bit of a, Mr. What, you, what is it? Uh, Mr. Hyde, Dr. Hyde and, and Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. But when I stepped on the court, I took on a different personality and I can remember my freshman year watching some film with one of my teammates, just me and him. And I was, and I asked him, I kept hearing this person yelling and screaming the whole time. And I'm like, who is that? And he looked at me like, that's you. And I was, I was <laughs> laughing like, that's me. I'm the, uh, yeah, that is me. I'm, I'm well, and I kind of came into, it, it helped put it in perspective my alter ego when I stepped on the court. And I think that who I was as a player has, has definitely had a positive impact on who I am as a coach. I've just, it's taken some time to learn how to channel that in the right way. As a player, it's easy. You've got the respect of your teammates. I, I was able to, and I knew how to get out of them what was most beneficial for the team it's a little different angle as a coach and I had to work through how to best tap into that. And it's, it's still a work in progress. It's, it's easy to lead as a player it's a little bit tougher as a coach, but th this and long winded answer here, but I, I will leave you with when I was finally fortunate enough after 10 years as an assistant coach to be a head coach, I, I, I felt that juice that I had felt as a player. When you when you're able to be a head coach, you, some of those some of those feelings of the highs and lows of being a player they come back and you're able to get in tune with those uh, for good or bad. I can tell you, coach, when I walk into Nicholson, and you walk out of the locker room, nice looking suit and the <laughs> lights shining off your head, you still got that. You still got that intensity. It's still there because I'm coming in fired up. I'm like. Sit behind the bench. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. I'm ready. Coach is ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still got it. And you know what? I, I might have to work on lightening up that a little Not bit. Not at all, man. I, Not at all. I, 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 might, you, I might try and bring a few more smiles and a little bit more joy to the game time demeanor. We'll see here. Uh, but uh, that's something I've been working on. You can it's, kiss the babies post game. Pre game, yeah. <laughs> you, need to, you need to keep it the same. I'm, no, no. Yeah, if I if I'm I play if I played for you, coach, and I saw that look, right there, you're talking about lead by example, like being locked in, like that's that's my my uh, definition of what I see. You're locked in. When you get on that court, you're locked in. I'll take that as a positive. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, because I'll echo that because I'm sitting there. I'm always I always you know Eric, you're you're right there at midcourt and your season tickets. I'm always behind the. Uh, the opposing bench because coach that's what I do for you as I intimidate the opposing <laughs> team you know coach Tony there at Western he sees me he starts sweating I know he does 
But like, I see you coming out with your team and to use Sammy's words, not mine, the lights, you know, bouncing off that wonderful dome piece you got there. And I'm like, yeah, he's that. dialed in, he is dialed in and coach Tony or, or, or Simon Frazier or St. Martin's I'm, we're coming after you, man. So keep the intensity <laughs> coach. Cause we are too. That, that reminds me of another Yakima Valley community college story as far as you know, the glamorous travel in, in the NWAC. We're, we're riding vans to here and there. But I, I remember getting out of the van for a road game one time, and, and one of my teammates say, uh, all right, everybody leave Rental alone now. He's not going to talk to anybody. And I'm like, looking at him like, what are you talking about? Like, you're crazy. But it dawned on me about an hour later, oh, yeah, he's right. Like, <laughs> Don't talk to me. I, I do not want to be talked to for about three hours before the game. Uh, just part of that self-awareness thing. My, my teammates at Yakima Valley definitely helped me out with that in a few different ways. Can we talk about glamorous travel really quick? I mean, uh, you have a favorite uh, oppose. I mean, obviously, Nick, uh, Nick Pavilion is your favorite, but do you have an uh, a favorite uh, opposing team's gym or best road trip or best food when you're on the road? What you got some superlatives there? Best road trip, uh, best food. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to compete if you're going to go on the road. Uh, going into playing at Western when, when you've got that Central jersey on, it always means something more uh, but the that's what i love about the gnac there are there are definitely places that have uh, a special place in my heart as far as even uh, at spu it always seems like we have more fans than them there and it's it's almost like our home away from home when we when we go play over there the that new arena up in Anchorage, what a that's a beautiful place to to play, and it's always a a life experience when you go up to Fairbanks. I mean, there's been times when we've been up there and it's been minus forty. Uh, as far as places to eat, you know, being back in the league and and going, you, you know, I've been impressed with going up to to Burnaby and, and uh, Simon Fraser. It's Big city there. They they got some great stuff. Um, they've been able to find some some fun places to eat while we're up there. If we're going to throw food in the mix there. Well, uh, I'm going to throw shade at the guy down the hallway from you and Desi because I still have not gone to a country buffet or whatever since my time playing for him. So I mean, there's got to be something better than the the nightly buffet because it was a simple thing to go to, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we we try and stay away from yeah. that but i mean we've we've come a long way i'll tell you that much it the the travel experience that we are able to give to our student athletes now i mean i can remember getting handed six dollars in my teams eric davis and tyson asnick literally going to 7-eleven and getting the nachos and putting the I'm pretty sure Eric Davis still does that. Yeah. Dropping. (laughs) Yeah. Uh We've come a long way. Coach, uh, you know, we talk about the logistics of of recruiting and stuff like that. 
let's talk about the logistics of travel. I mean, you're, you're, the GMAC is a mix of planes, trains, and automobiles, it seems like. Uh, I mean, so I would assume Fairbanks might sound like the, the hardest trip because it's the coldest and farthest away and it's during the wintertime, so it's always dark up there. Is that the hardest trip or is there a logistically harder trip, more difficult trip, whether it be like Billings or, yeah, you know, bussing to Western Oregon when the pass is closed or something like that? What What's the hardest trip for you guys? I, I still think it's hard to compete with that Alaska trip. That's that's probably got to be the toughest trip. Um, not many people. You're hoping to split. Not many people walk away with two wins. Rarely does that happen uh, in a GNAC. Uh, when you when you talk about road trips, uh, what do they got? They got billings with SPU now. When you're talking about uh, coupling those, that's that's a tough travel day in between. And I, I mean, I, I think other teams, the NNU Central Washington road trip, I, I know people don't exactly uh, feel fondly about that as well. There is. People don't, especially when you compare the, what the travel is like in many other parts of the country, especially the East Coast, people don't understand what how different the travel is out here in the West for college athletics, especially small college athletics. Uh, Division two NAI, uh, I, I got a healthy dose of that seven years at um, Lewis Clark State College, where you're playing in Billings, Montana, uh, getting done with a game at 10 p.m., jumping in the bus and driving, driving home, walking in the your front door at 9 a.m. as your family's going out to going to church on on Sunday morning. And definitely, there's been we had a my first year here, we had a. I think it was an eight or nine hour trip back from Western Oregon. It's very similar to that back through the snow, driving 15 miles an hour. Uh, it's, it's a challenging part of, of small college athletics. And honestly, that's, what's been so weird about this winter. Uh, it's, it's, I've never tasted a winter like this. And while I am so disappointed and it's been so challenging on many levels, the time that I've gotten with my family this winter, it's, I mean, it's unprecedented. My wife's looking at me like, you're still here? Like, <laughs> and, uh, the time I've been able to get with my family, uh, I'm grateful for that, honestly. Well, Coach, as we start to wrap this thing up, I got one more hard, really hard question for you. I like hard questions. Who's going to win the Super Bowl on Sunday? <laughs> okay. Now, this you are not talking to a man's man here, okay? And if I'm completely honest with you, I am outside of basketball. I am so out of tune. I couldn't even tell you who's playing in the Super Bowl, okay? As so, tell me who, and I'll, I'll be glad to pick a team. Okay, you've got Kansas City Chiefs defending champs, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. You got Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, the GOAT, going what? on a seventh Super Bowl. Tom Brady found his way back into the Super Bowl. He How did. could you not root for this Cinderella? <laughs> that's that's where I find <laughs> myself stuck, it. right? Huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, of of all the teams, of all the, the sports out there, he's the only definitive GOAT. Right. Where nobody's really going to argue with that. No. Basketball, you could have, well, that's probably a question we should ask. <laughs> we should. LeBron James. There'd be a fight Michael in this couch right here. But. Conversation. <laughs> uh, but, you know, baseball, you could throw out a million different names. But football, there's there's just one name. That's right. There's just one name. Yeah, that's cool. I appreciate you enlightening me on what's about to happen <laughs> day because now I've got even more reason to tune in. But, you know, to be honest, when it comes to especially baseball and, and football, I'm, I'm way out of tune. I'm watching basketball, recruits, our team, and then college basketball and NBA and beyond that. I don't even watch TV, but what I do enjoy, and I, I stay in tune just enough, people around me at least, I hear conversations. I love tuning into that very last moment when that team wins that championship, whether it's the World Series, whether it is NFL, whether it is college football. What I am a sucker for championship celebrations. I, I love it because I know what goes into those. And it, 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 it inspires me every single time to see those teams and the look on their faces. And so if nothing else, I'll, I'll tune in for the end to, to see that. And it's a little bit different in, in those professional sports, but to me, it's still, it never gets old. Absolutely. Well, I do think the coach rent a show when we can get back to normal, we need to make that happen. here. Maybe bi-monthly, I don't yes. know, something like that. It's, we'll send you. Yeah, we'll send you the contract, coach. Yeah, we'll send you a contract. And you sign on the bottom line. We're we're good. We can make it more abbreviated too. That's as right. As long as you need. That's right. Let's let's do that. And like especially, maybe once a month or something when we are in season. Yeah. Um, we'll come to you in a in occasional update um, out of season, but. I'm grateful for this community and, and the the support that they give Central, the athletic department, our program. And if there's even one listener out there that is, you know, cares about what we're doing as a program, this is worth it to me. So I'd be happy to help you guys out. That's awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day to sit down with us and, and coming on the Sports Talk. Appreciate it, Coach. Uh, great being – was that an hour? Did we did we make that? We an hour? waited Close. an hour. We promised you fifteen minutes, but we were rolling, Coach. Yeah, that's good stuff. Appreciate you guys and what you're doing for the local sports community. Appreciate Thanks that, lot, Coach. Well, Sammy and John, I'll be back to wrap this thing up right after this message. All right, well, we're back after that interview with coach renta of central washington university men's basketball program that was a lot of fun i first time i got to talk to coach guys that was awesome yeah we talk about in in the interview you know his court where he's intense and if you don't know the guy like that's that's what you think he is is that just like should i say something to him is it okay is he gonna rip my head off but uh (laughs) he is one of the most down-to-earth guys offside he's got that heckling giant heck Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Right. Man, it's hard. I see why he had a hard time yeah. saying that. Um, he's he's got it, and uh, when he turns it on, he's intense, but he can let it go, let down his, his guard pretty quick. 
all I know is I just want to watch central basketball. Obviously I, with the COVID stuff, uh, won't be, it'll be hard to watch it live, but we'll, I just want to watch central basketball either live or on the live stream. I just want those guys to be able to play and I want to beat Western. I want to beat SPU. I want to beat NNU. And then I want to take this momentum and just destroy everybody in the fall and winter of next year too. Man. Absolutely. I could absolutely go for an undefeated season. Some team. I don't even care who it is. Yeah. Something to watch. Just, yeah. Let's go. I'm in. I'm ready. I think the biggest fail of this whole thing is I didn't have my Western New Suck shirt in the background. That would have been perfect. Oh, you should have had that. Sorry, Coach. Next time. He would have very much appreciated that. that. But, no, it's exciting to see and talk to guys that are in the, you know, leadership levels at the Division II programs or college programs in general. And the, the what he talked about, being a part of the Wildcats in Central. And I think that's that's a great point because I know even when you run into someone, oh, I went to Central. Oh, you did that? You went here? There's a there's a family within this, and especially when you get down to the athletic department. Um, no, it's, it's fun. I, I, hope, I hope we have a normal season next year. I hope we get to be sitting there watching things right. and watching this team that he's put together. And I hope we get to see him for a long time. You know, part of that is mm-hmm. predicated on – success and so the more success i mean he wants to be here he'll right. be here for the next 20 years um if we allow it and uh man i hope i hope that comes true the the saying that kept coming to my mind was be where your feet are mm-hmm. and that dude is 100 percent where his feet yep. are yeah yep. he's not looking and at the know, grass over there he's he wants to win he wants wildcat basketball to be a powerhouse another thing that he said that uh stuck with me is you know every coach talks about or there's a lot of coaches um that stick with me and they one of the things they talk about is making sure that their their team their players have success off the court or off the field or outside of school and and when we were talking about how um at the d2 level or at the smaller school level how much uh, the student athlete mindset is uh talked about and, and uh, preached over the versus the D one aspect where all they are is just, I want a scholarship and I want to play ball. And so it's pretty obvious to me that uh, coach Renta wants a quality athlete, but wants that person to get an education as well. Absolutely. Well, I think we all know what question we have to ask ourselves right now. But we ask coach, let's ask ourselves. Who's going to win the Super Bowl Sunday. So if I answer that question just plainly, I say the Chiefs, yeah. and I can leave it at that. But, but that doesn't satisfy my heart <laughs> to say that. Or our listeners. Right, right, right. <laughs> Serving the people. That's right. I, in my heart, I want Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to pull off a miracle win. That's how I feel. I feel it's going to be a miracle if they win because uh, I feel like Kansas City's a machine Tampa plays too inconsistent, even though they haven't lost in like six games. But they haven't played the caliber of someone that's like, you make a mistake on us, you're done. And that's kind of what Kansas City has been um, since they lost to the Raiders, is that they just haven't allowed people to uh, stick around. And so uh, I don't think it'll happen. But if if Tampa wants a chance, their defense has to make plays. Mm -hmm. They need to hit Mahomes, and they need to get turnovers. That doesn't happen. They don't have a shot. How about you, John? I think that uh, I think the smart money is on the Chiefs, and that's not to take anything away from the Buccaneers. But 
you're right, they are a machine. Having said that, if Tampa Bay pulls off, I don't want to even call it a miracle, but if they pull off the upset, the Chiefs are going to be a part of the conversation for many, many years. So I think that the road to the AFC Championship or the road to the Super Bowl still has to go through Kansas City in some way, shape, or form. Those guys are going to be a one to three seed for the next, what, five to seven years at least? Yeah. Um, so I think Kansas City is definitely the, uh, you know, you know, the New England dynasty is clearly over, and it's 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 for Kansas City to uh, to take. So, you know, the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl every single year, but it seems like the conversation included them every year. And I think I think the Chiefs win, and if they lose, they're still a part of the conversation for many many years. Right. I this is gonna be a good game because I, I feel like if I'm remembering right, the last couple Super Bowls have been kind of boring. They haven't been great. Last year's might have been. I was trying to think back what the Kansas came. City came back from double digits came back. Like, with like six yeah. minutes right. left. But so the ones ended, before that, right, horrible. But I think this one has the potential to be a great shootout, a great offensive match. And, and you know, Tampa Bay, all you've heard about all year is Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, but they have a great team. I'm starting to watch them throughout the playoffs. I didn't watch them really until then. And the amount of big-name guys they got there. and uh, You know, there's something to be said about playing at home. Right, and also to their to their benefit, they brought in a bunch of guys. Yeah. They got the names, Gronkowski and uh, A.B., mm-hmm. Tom Brady, and it's like rarely in football do you put that together in that year as they go do yeah. it, you know? And yeah. so to, yeah. their, to their credit, like, this is what they built. Like, you know, the Jets and the Jaguars aren't putting a f- team on the field thinking mm-hmm. they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Right. And Tampa, after a, having a quarterback throw 30 interceptions and not making the playoffs – they're like, we're all in on going to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. And they made it. So kudos, uh, kudos to them. And I I have a hard – this is the battle. We talked Tom Brady's the GOAT. Nobody's close to challenging him. But way back in the rearview mirror, you can see Patrick Mahomes yeah. on that road. And yeah. he has, of anybody, that potential in the next 10, 12 years to be fighting Tom Brady for that. So I get mm-hmm. pulled like, do I want Mahomes to win? and keep that going, or do I want Brady to extend it just a little bit more? And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm going Bucks because I think that would be a cool story for Tom Brady. It would be. I, th- I think it's going to come – I hope it comes down to a back-and-forth game where the person with the ball last wins, and I just feel like if you give Tom Brady the ball with a minute left, he's, he's going to win the game. I think everyone – if you're not rooting for that at the end of the game for Tom mm-hmm. Brady to win, you're just a flat hater. Yeah. Bottom line. You're a hater. Either he's wronged your team for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and you can't get over it. Kind of like how I hated John Stockton and Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stand them. Yeah. Why? Because they kicked my team's tail every yeah. single year, and I couldn't stand them. Them and the Bulls. You're either that, mm-hmm. or you just shouldn't be watching football. You're right. I'm, I'm glad to know that we've matured now, <laughs> and that we appreciate greatness, because I'm with you, because I hated those guys too back in the day. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think that's where we're going to be. So, well... I mean, there's been drive-bys from our at the new Big Country Studios. We were moved inside, which was nice. It was warmer. Uh, we've had the Fitter's Furniture Truck going by making deliveries. So a big shout-out to our sponsors. I believe there's free delivery. Even Almost, out, apparently, apparently out to the pocket. Out in the Badger pocket. God's country out here. So <laughs> we've had like a Fitter's billboard going by constantly because they're selling lots of good stuff. and People out here appreciate that. So go check them out. They're in the corner of 4th and Main. You will not be disappointed with what they have to offer. 
Big thanks to Coach Renta for joining us. Big thanks to Sammy and, and John. Glad you guys got to be here. Luke? We're going to pour some out for Luke after this. That's right. We're going to pour one out for our homie Luke. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's playing golf or doing something, right? And uh, this one's for you, Luke. Just kidding. You're playing golf today. So you're enjoying the non-windy day of Ellensburg. Uh, but thank you to you listeners. If you have a chance, please get on iTunes. Please rate and review. The more ratings we get, the more this thing might show up in someone's somebody's podcast uh, form. And, you know, if, if someone in the Valley hasn't heard of us yet, share it with them. Let's, let's spread the word of the Kid Has Valley Sports Talk one listener at a time and try to grow this thing even bigger and bigger. Guys, until next time. Take care, gentlemen. Take care. Take care. so big, this town's so small If you circle the square you've seen it all There's no quick fix for a broken heart When everybody knows who you are The Kittitas Valley Sports Talk Podcast is part of the Big Country Media Podcast Network. Please check out all episodes anywhere you can get your podcast. And for you iTunes listeners, please rate and review our podcast. Check us out and follow for all your local sports updates on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Kittitas Valley Sports Talk. The official music of Kittitas Valley Sports Talk is brought to you by Austin Jenks. Please go check him out and all of his great music anywhere you can stream music. Don't want to hold you back, just want to hold